0: Hello, and welcome to Let Me Speak, the show that shares sports' biggest news, explain, uninterrupted, and maybe a little audacious. I'm Joe Braverman, and today's topics include... Heading into Week 15, which playoff contenders are in a must-win situation? Plus, with the new season on a horizon, who are the early contenders and pretenders in the NBA? And we welcome the first-ever special guest to the show. It's Episode 7 of Let Me Speak, and it starts right now. welcome everyone to the newest episode of let me speak today is a very special episode not only is it the last episode before christmas but we have the very first live special guest joining us he's a good friend of mine please welcome ben may ben how you doing man
1: good joe how's it going
0: it's going good now i haven't talked to you since uh the quarantine How have you been holding up in these past couple of months
1: oh man it's uh it's been a ride uh as it has for everybody glad I have my health glad I have family and friends glad I have you jove to uh rant about sports with for the next couple hours let's we'll see what we can do
0: well this is going to be great now our our love of sports we we kind of discovered each other's love of sports really late we were part of a college club and you already knew me to be a nut about sports and it took me a little while to figure it out, but you were just as big into sports as me, and it it caught me on it caught me off guard a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I was always a theater kid in high school, and uh, we met through college improv. So those those circles of friends usually aren't sports related. We're normally talking about movies and stuff like in the communications department, like what you were doing in school. And uh, to be honest, my my sports stuff was late in the game as well, but. It happened nonetheless, and, you know, when you're into it, you're into it, and boy, are we in it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: And it's it's easy to be in it when you're a New Englander.
0: Oh, absolutely. Tons of success. So, I say we stop bantering, and let's get right into it. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. So, we're going to dive right into NFL Week 15, and we're getting really close here, Ben. Three games left. Looking at the standings, we've got about 20 teams mathematically still left, but in reality, it's about a dozen or so 14. We already have clinchers. We have the chiefs winning their division. The Steelers have their spot. So do the Packers. And so do the saints. Now I was looking at the schedule slate and I see three really good games and you are welcome to counter me on this. We have the chiefs at the saints, the Seahawks at the Washington football team, and then the Cardinals at the Eagles. Those are to me, the three best games of the week. What do you say?
1: We're going to, This is probably the first time I've ever heard anybody excited about two NFC East football teams in one week. Um, It's nice that the NFC East uh, has decided to show up, uh, at least for this week. Um, I'm really interested in what Jalen Hurts is able to do uh, for this next, for however long they can do this for. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think Jalen Hurts can make a case for himself as a starting quarterback and that's good for the league, and it's good for the team because it was really one of those situations where when they played last week where the team just really felt rejuvenated because they didn't have to deal with Carson Wentz throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball. So we'll see if Jalen Hurts can keep that up or if that was just kind of week one magic, and maybe maybe that changes here and there. So you're I'm kinda, excited to.
0: Yeah, you're kind of uh, saying that Jalen. You're kind of saying Jalen Hurts is the future of the Eagles after taking down the top defense in the Saints. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> you know why? Why not Jalen Hurts be the future of the Eagles? What future do do the Eagles really have? That's a good point. That's I a mean, very good point. <laughs> you know, you got you got Carson Wentz. He has this this ridiculous contract that has so much money on it, and he's he's not really producing in the way you would want him to and at this stage in his career he's been hurt um multiple seasons now and he hasn't even played a full season with the eagles and if you if you like think about it i mean there was la- last year he more or less played the whole season and got hurt during the wild card game but for him it's just like there's so much uh psychologically that he's had to go through along with the physical aspect and I just don't know if like he can recover at this point, especially now that Jalen Hurts just kind of came in and some players seem to really want to want to play for him more than they wanted to play for Carson.
0: Yeah, that's what I got. The big quote from the running back, Miles Sanders, saying Jalen gives us leadership in that locker room. That's really a big thing that stood mm. out to me. <laughs> that, that is definitely a shot at Carson Wentz. And that's going to be a really fun matchup to see Kyler Murray too. You could You could think that, Murray and Hertz are basically two of the same quarterbacks. They're mobile. They have great arms. And that could be a sneaky good game I got a good feeling about.
1: Which would be nice. Uh, To talk about the uh, Washington football team uh, a little bit, I'm really curious to see how the Seahawks respond because if the Giants defense gave Russell Wilson fits, I can only imagine what Chase Young is going to be able to do to Russell Wilson and to the offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks, because I don't know if you saw Chase Young in action last week. That is a bad man. That is and a that really is some... <laughs> bad man. That is a really
0: bad man, what he was doing.
1: I, I don't have the stat line in front of me, but it was a ridiculous amount of things that he was able to do on the field in, in just one game. And I think, you know, obviously he's defensive rookie of the year, obviously he's a generational talent that's going to be great for a very long time. I just, you know, I just can't wait to see what he can do against like a, a, a marquee team in the Seahawks.
0: And yeah, I think hopefully,
1: I- and hopefully the Seahawks can respond better than what they did against the Giants.
0: Yeah. Cause I was thinking like where are the Seahawks mind at? I mean, yeah, they won last week, but it was against the jets and everyone beats the jets and then Washington, they've just been rolling. Remember when every single NFC East team was 3-8? and eight? And now look at, we have a respectable team in that division at 6-7. and seven. So I think, I really think I'm going to pull for Washington. I think they got the upset this week. I think Seattle, Russell Wilson isn't really in that MVP form that he wasn't in earlier in the year. And I like the role that Washington's going on. It will depend, though, on if Alex Smith can play.
1: Yeah, the, the trouble with the Washington football team is that, and really the theme of the NFC East, now that I'm thinking about it, they all need a quarterback to some extent. The Cowboys don't have Dak. The Eagles have the situation that we just talked about. The Giants have Daniel Jones, bless his heart and soul. And <laughs> the, And the Washington football team has Alex Smith, who comeback player of the year, an incredible story. I get so scared every time he is on the field. Because I'm that that he, he should any other person who goes through what he goes through does not live to see the, 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 the rest of his life. And he does. And that is, that's miraculous. And it's a great story. It's the feel good of the year. It's the feel good. He, he, he shouldn't be playing football because it, I it just scares me to uh, a little bit. And, and here,
0: then, he, yeah, here he is leading a, leading a
1: possible playoff team. Yeah you know, when you're, when your other option is uh,
0: Dwayne Haskins,
1: Dwayne Haskins. Oh, it's, uh,
0: who remembers him from a year ago?
1: <laughs> oh man. So, and then Kyle, Kyle Allen, they also have, right?
0: Yeah. But I think he got hurt. I think he had the, nah. he had the really bad injury too. So mm-hmm. not a, not a lot of depth there at quarterback, but speaking of quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. That's the only other segue I can think probably going to (laughs) be probably going to be the second going to get his second MVP. But here comes a really tough test with New Orleans. And I'm already circling that as game of the week. I don't care what what happens, but I'm going to look more at Taysom Hill. I mean, he's done pretty good. He did have a little bit of a hiccup last week against Philly, but here he comes. He's got the reigning Super Bowl champs, the number one team in the AFC. What is he going to do for the time being while he's filling in for Drew Brees?
1: Well, I hate to I hate to correct you, but I thought that they confirmed that Drew Drew Brees is playing for this game.
0: Oh, I did not. I did not hear that. I heard they're going to slowly but, take him in until 100%, but let's just let's play the fact that let's look at it both ways. If Taysom Hill plays, what do you see coming out of this game?
1: If Taysom Hill plays, I can expect more of the same out of the Saints in that it's a lot of run-based offense that can go either which way I think the chiefs defense is competent enough to be able to put that to put that to bed. And I think someone like Chris Jones can give someone like Taysom Hill fits.
0: See, here's but, my problem though, with the chiefs defense though, is that they can't rely on the offense to put up like 30, 40 points a game. I mean, if you give up eight times, probably, probably half the time, 50%. If you're giving up 27 points to a good team, like Miami, you're going to lose that game but the fact is they're leaning on Patrick Mahomes too much and Mahomes did have a bad game last week and they still won. So if he has a bad game and they don't put up points, what are you going to do then?
1: And that's the kind of seminal question that comes with a lot of these generational quarterbacks. I can think about so many Packers teams where Aaron Rodgers had to carry the offense because of a green Bay defense that was so, so or nothing to remember. Same with Peyton Manning and, many teams. We saw a Peyton Manning Super Bowl team that needed a defense and didn't have one. So, and it's just one of those situations where you're going to have to hope for the best. I think you bring up a good point, but I think in the at the end of this, the Chiefs are the better coached team even though that this is a great coaching matchup. I just think that with between Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola that things are going to go in a in a proper direction for them to be able to game plan against the Saints is this
0: is this planning with Drew Brees in or out is it both scenarios or is it if Drew Brees is in the lineup do you see the Saints possible upset
1: here's here's the thing even if you're planning for Taysom Hill you're playing from Drew Brees I understand that Drew Brees is a much better quarterback than than Taysom Hill Drew Brees can't throw the football that far down the field anymore Drew Brees is a 40 year old quarterback that isn't using Tom Brady's uh, voodoo methods of stay, uh, of saying you know young and vibrant, he's you know he's still great, but it's just one of those situations where they do have to plan around they have to plan the offense around his abilities which are lacking. So I think that they if they can shut down Alvin Kamara, if they can shut down the run offense in general and make. Drew Brees or Taysom Hill throw 20-yard passes or or, or or longer, then you're in a situation where you can get turnovers or you can just get stops.
0: So I'll, I'll segue in it like this because it sounds like you're not giving a ton of uh, ton of chance for the Saints to pull off the Chiefs win. It sounds like you're saying they're not the best team in the NFC. Are we leaning one way or another? Are you thinking the Packers sitting at number one are going to stay that way when they play Carolina this Saturday?
1: I would say, based off of the strength of schedule, that the Packers have the easier route. They have the they have the Panthers, like as you said, and I think they have some divisional matchups, which I think they'll be able to clean up relatively easily. The Packers, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is having another great year. He's just doing what he what he's always been doing, and the rest of the team is keeping up uh, keeping up with him. The Saints have challenging games ahead, from what from what I can remember and they have a and they have a QB situation that's in flux. Everything with Green with Green Bay, it's on rails. They just have to keep doing what they're doing, hope that nobody gets hurt that it, that isn't like too big of an issue and just do, and do what they need to do and just win. And I think they are in a much better position to do that. Are they the best team in the NFC? Probably. They're in the they're in the best position to look like the best team in the NFC, again based off of that strength of schedule.
0: 15. I've had, I have a couple teams listed here that are really in the must-win scenario. Some of them are really easy, like the Raiders, the Vikings, the Ravens, the Giants, because they're on the outside looking in, obviously. But one team I really want to turn my attention to is Pittsburgh. Because Pittsburgh, remember, they started undefeated. They've lost their last two, including a what I would call a dud against Buffalo. And they're, it just looks like they're sliding the wrong way. And if they don't clean things up this Monday night, in Cincinnati, they're going to find themselves in third behind the Bills. Uh, what are your thoughts on Pittsburgh and the way they're going?
1: The Pittsburgh is such a odd, odd situation. It almost reminds me of the Saints in a, in a way where it's just kind of this monolithic uh, franchise that has always been in contention and always been able to compete and always been able to do what they can. The Steelers almost remind me of the uh, last season's Patriots team. And not, not that they're the same team, but you look at the schedules that they had. Pittsburgh had so many easy games where they could just take care of business and that's all they need to do. And maybe there were faults. Maybe there were things that need to be improved upon. But it was enough to get the job done in the moment and a win's a win. And all of a sudden you're 10-0 and, and you're looking like the best team in the NFL just by the record. The record doesn't mean everything but it puts you in the position that you need to be in for the playoffs. They're going to be able to beat the Bengals. That's not going to be a problem. The Bengals are pretty torn up as of right now, and they don't have much to play for other than pride and bless their hearts. I don't think they're going to be able to get the win against the Steelers. You, you got to look at this Colts game that they're going to have in week, week 16. That's going to have playoff implications in regards to seeding. And that's, and, and that's just going to be a, a big show because it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger and Philip rivers throwing dimes like it's 2005 all over again. And then, and then for the last week you got the Browns and that's going to be that, that might just be a UFC bloodbath <laughs> as, far, as far as I'm concerned, because those two teams do not like each other. It's going to be in Cleveland. Cleveland has fans in the stadium. So they're going to let the Steelers know how, how they feel about them. And it's going to be, raucous so that's that that, that's something to keep your eyes on yeah and Cleveland
0: actually has something to play for this year
1: in December Cleveland's good what can I say shout out to Kevin Stefanski for for creating a great team shout out to Baker Mayfield for getting it together shout out Odell Beckham Jr. for staying home (laughs) (laughs) not causing not causing any drama or problems like it's 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 a good it's a good time to be a Browns fan.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you in Pittsburgh, though. The big problem, though, is that their defense, okay, they played Washington and then they played Buffalo. Those are two really good teams. But the problem with Pittsburgh, though, is that they have no run game. Okay, I looked it up, and they can't help Big Ben, and they've got the second worst rush yards per game only ahead of Houston. So that's really the big thing for Pittsburgh is that they need help with Big Ben. I mean, you mentioned Drew Brees being 40. Big Ben is up there in age as well. I want to say he's about 37, 38. He's getting up there and knocking on Father Time's door. But Roethlisberger, you know, he just can't play superhero. He's not that kind of guy. You know, he's a great quarterback, but he's not like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning where you can put the game on his shoulders and he can carry the team down the field. But I totally agree with you in the game against Cincinnati. It's a winnable game if they want it, because then they have two incredible games coming up with Indy. And with Cleveland now, one other team, we had briefly touched upon the dolphins real quick. I think they're also in a must-win scenario too, because for weeks and weeks, I put my money on the Raiders getting that last spot. They're not helping me out after that complete dud against the Colts. Um, So I think my, my new pick for that last spot is going to be the dolphins. I did mention uh, Tua Tagovailoa. What a story for him too. I mean, coming in for Fitz magic, um, but really looking at the schedule, they're hosting the Patriots and then they're at the Raiders and at the Bills. Those, I mean, they look like easy games, but they're not really easy games. Uh, ben, what do you think about Miami and the direction that they're going in?
1: Miami is going to be a great team for a very long time as we kind of, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this more in the locals only section of, the, of things. Um, Miami and Buffalo are going to carry the AFC East for the next decade probably and it's going to be because of brian flores as head coach and the energy that he brings to that team and it's going to be because of tua becoming a seminal player for the league and that defense just staying uh staying as it is just uh philosophically not necessarily with a roster um it it is an easy schedule for the dolphins in theory but you have to understand that Two of those are divisional games, so the Patriots are not going to give up a, division, a divisional loss, and the Bills aren't going to give up a divisional loss. You know, Those are always going to be games where they could go either which way. And then the Raiders, that's a game where both of those teams want, to, want that seventh seed or maybe can make it into a six seed. So the Dolphins have a very competitive schedule, and all of those games are must-win because you can't afford a loss because if you lose, then you start going into – uh you know what other dominoes are going to fall because now we're into this part of the playoffs where well if this happens then that means this it that means this could happen which leads to this happening and all of a sudden the 7 and 9 patriots are in the playoffs and everybody's screaming because they somehow did it again you know it's one of those it's one of those things that can possibly happen so if dolphin just if the dolphins keep winning which i think they can do i think they're in a much better position to do it than the raiders the raiders are when they're good they're good but they are so hot and cold in regards to every aspect of their like coaching and every aspect of how they play it's it's hard to it's hard to put any money on them in regards to any form of consistency
0: yeah it was really the game against the jets where they just barely beat them on a terrible decision by the d coordinator for new york and then obviously the dud i mentioned against indy but i'm agreeing with you in that the defense for Miami is going to hold up for a long time, really thanks to Brian Flores. I mean, they have, they're have they tied for the most takeaways in the entire league at 25, and they have the third-best turnover difference right now. And I agree with you that Miami is going to be good for a long, long time. And I think if they don't win the division this year, which is still technically mathematically possible, they can win it next year. But I think for, for this time being, all of the load can't go on tour right now. I think the defense is really going to carry that team if they want to go far into the playoffs. And now we briefly also touched upon the Seahawks as well. I think that's the other team that I'm looking at because lo and behold, we have two nine and four teams in the NFC West who are tied, who are going to play next week. So Seattle just really needs to keep pace because the Rams, they're playing the jets and I hate to be car- crapping on the jets for so much, but I mean, when you're winless this far into the season,
1: People You're have been crapping on the Jets since before we were both born. Let's be honest. <laughs> two good, Only
0: two good years in our lifetimes. Those two AFC title games with, <laughs> with Mark Butt Fumble Sanchez. Yeah. Um, but back onto the Seahawks. They really just need to keep pace with the Rams. So they have to beat Washington. And we touched upon Washington, how they need to win too. But let's talk about Seattle. No one really knows what they're going to be like after – the 40-3 win versus the Jets. Uh, What do you think uh, Seattle's future looks like?
1: Seattle's future looks like whatever Russell Wilson can develop in any given moment. Um, We've seen the defense of the Seattle Seahawks be mediocre to not good throughout most of the season. And in in a very, like, Chiefs scenario, it's Russell Wilson needs to – create the moments for the Seahawks to score points because the defense is not going to be able to do that for them. I think in, I think Seattle is going, they're going to make the playoffs. I think where they seed is really, you know, these days it just doesn't matter as much because now that we have this new playoff format, where only the number one seed in the NFL in the, in in your conference gets a bye week. So we have six teams that are just kind of jockeying just to stay in the game. I think the NFC doesn't have as much competition as the AFC currently. So it's really just a situation of if we just keep winning, we can maybe be in this position and we can maybe get, uh, go up against this team instead of that other team. But in any, in in any, in any event, regardless, you're not going to be playing for the bye week because I mean, that's pretty much locked in for either green Bay or new Orleans. And I think you just have to not, the fact that that, idea is not in your head you just gotta go forward and see what you can do make make of it yeah
0: i mean i'm gonna counter you real quick on the seating because there are a lot of great teams in the nfc i mean think about it this way if you the seattle's in the number five spot right now if they stay that way they're gonna be playing whoever comes out of the nfc east wouldn't you rather be that team than go to the sixth spot and play whoever's out of the nfc west
1: I, that, that was the one point that I didn't want to mention is that if there's anything to play for in the NFC, it's to play for the five seed so that you can go up against an NFC East team and in theory, get a easy win. But like you, like we were just talking about the teams in the NFC East, it took them a while, but they're all, but they're more or less competent now. And who knows, maybe we're looking at a situation where a nine and seven or seven and 19 can really make a run. I mean we saw this with uh with Seattle way back when they won a division of 7 and 9 and then they ran over the Saints quite literally that's beast quake <laughs> you're looking at um gi- a, a giants team that could potentially go 9 and 7 and win the NFC East and then make a Super Bowl run does that sound familiar moguls only you know <laughs> hate to trigger but that's where that's where we're looking at this uh, twice too right don't now. forget it
0: would happen twice
1: <laughs> oh we- <laughs> How could I forget? So it's, <laughs> that's what I'm so, – but that's – yeah. So if if you want to play for the five seed so that you can go against the NFC East, by all means, I'm just saying there was so much more stakes to get try to get a bye week, and now that's just kind of not there for 15 out of 16 of the teams, so – that's yeah, well, there. that's my that's my take on it.
0: Yeah. well, there's a lot of questions in the NFL for week 15, and I'm sure after this week we'll be getting plenty of answers. So not only is there football going on, but by the time this thing comes out, and before Christmas even gets underway, we've got basketball once again. And I know you are Big Ben into basketball just as much as I am. But I mean, basketball has probably got to be our number one sport. Would you agree?
1: It's a, yeah, it's a number one sport for me, for sure.
0: Yeah, so I say we just preview the season because by the time this comes out, there will be a season underway. We'll get the first set of games. And I want to sort of break this down from the contenders to the perfectly ranked and then sort of the pretenders, I would say. Kind of like an overrated, underrated sort of thing. And I think you will definitely agree with me, Ben, when I say that the LA Lakers are the favorites right now. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. The Los Angeles Lakers have LeBron James. The Los Angeles Lakers have Anthony Davis. They have head coach Frank Vogel. That's all, it's all parts of a NBA Finals winning team, which let's make it clear, it, there is no asterisk. If anything, the asterisk has to be shown has to say how it was the most difficult championship win. Let's let's not you know go poo poo on the Miami Heat because they were a five seed in the East. That was a competitive team. The Lakers are good. The Lakers are great. And so long as LeBron is able to play at the level he's able to play at and be the leader that he is, that's that's the team that's going to contend. And there can be all the media drama that. You want to have, and there can be all the goat talk. At the end of the day, LeBron's going to put his head down and work. And Anthony Davis is going to do the same. And any, and the other players who want to try to keep up with that, that's going, to, that's going to be the result of it.
0: And not only that, but look at the acquisitions that they got. It I mentioned this a week ago. It's so hard to believe that a championship team could get that much better. But, I mean, when you see the names that they lost, like Howard and Danny Green and... JaVale McGee and all those guys. And it's like they brought in better players. I mean, they have the two, the, the winner of the six-man of the year, Montrez Harrell, and the runner-up in Dennis Schroeder. And not only that, you got the experience of Marcus All and Wesley Matthews. I say that this Lakers team is probably better than last Lakers team. What do you say?
1: I would absolutely agree. I thought, while Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee are good in their role positions, they are distractions to the team. Dwight Howard has always been a controversial figure in regards to his personality and it's never been helpful for him to act like a child in in moments when whether it be his first Lakers stint, whether it be in Houston, whether um it be Orlando, like it never All really... the 78 teams
0: he's played for this year. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that brief stint with Washington. Yeah, and then JaVale McGee uh while he has had a great uh, a great resurgence uh, uh especially since when he started with the Warriors and got and got some great games under his belt, and then went to and then went to the Lakers, you know, th- th- we saw it in the bubble. Those two were always clowning around, and while it was great personality for them to you know do their trash talk and everything, that gets tiring, I'm sure for teammates. And I think old man LeBron James wants them to get off his lawn. And <laughs> I think they and I think we they did. We can start
0: making those jokes now. LeBron is thirty; <laughs> he's going to be thirty-six this year. We can start calling him old. But, yeah, I completely agree that it's going to be whatever LeBron and Davis are going to do, they're going to take them that way. But it wasn't an easy road last last year. They had to face the Denver Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets have to be – they should be uh, considered a top contender because, I mean, who would have thought all those comebacks in the bubble being down 3-1 twice and then they come back, and now you have the rise of Michael Porter Jr., you have Bowl Bowl, who's probably going to be the next NBA fan favorite. I mean, the Nuggets are a good team that I don't
1: know why so many people are overlooking them. Well, there's a couple of reasons why they get overlooked. The number One of the reasons is that the Denver market is just not something that we think about when we think about the NBA. You know, we think about Boston. We think about Los Angeles. We think about Chicago. We think about these seminal franchises like Philadelphia. We don't think about Denver. We don't think about the Nuggets. They're just one of those teams that hasn't had the success. And even if they have good players, they wouldn't, it wouldn't necessarily be recognized. And then the second thing is that, like, like I said, you know, people want to put an asterisk on the bubble season because of whatever reasons they want to put on it. The Denver Nuggets showed up and they produced and they, and they played quality basketball and they earned the right to be in the Western uh, conference finals against the Lakers and put up and put up a fight as much, as much as they could. When you have Jokic and when you have Jamal Murray, you have a chance, and I think they're going to be one of the better players, uh, better teams in the Western Conference, so long, so long as those two are running the show. Because I'm, I, I'm probably going to say that a lot, but there's a lot of teams that are defined by their two or three best players, and when you have you know, and when you have those guys, being able to do what they do and be leaders, you know, they can they can go as far as you want to because what? in the NBA making the playoffs is it, it, it that's one thing and then it's making it's moving forward in the playoffs that's the other. And the Denver Nuggets showed that not only can they you know have the 3 seed or have the 4 seed which some people just don't even really think about they just think about okay but are, can they make the finals. We saw that the Nuggets have that ability. And I think if they can just keep it up and have some things fall in their way They'll be, they can be in the same spot they were last year.
0: Yeah, I think it all comes down to Jamal Murray because we know about the Joker. We know about Nikola Jokic, how good he is. But Jamal Murray, he was sort of the surprise in the bubble that no one knew he was going to play at the level that he was playing at. So if he continues to have that, and then the complimentary pieces around Denver, I think Denver is going to be right back to where they were in the bubble. Now, let's switch conferences. And I know you had wanted to talk about uh, Giannis' Supermax that he just signed a few days ago we'll get to that in just a moment, but I want your overall opinion on the Bucks. Do you think that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be the number one team again, and if so, can they get to the
1: finals? I think the Milwaukee Bucks will have the best record in the NBA, uh, at least at least on the Eastern Conference side. What does that mean? We're going to have to find out
0: later. last year. It didn't mean much because they did get upset by Miami.
1: You know, when I think about Giannis, I do. I try to compare it to LeBron a little bit because Giannis is going to be a seminal player. He's going to be one of those guys. That's going to carry the league throughout probably the 2020s. If we're going to like market, you're not, you're not called
0: the Greek freak for nothing. Not called the <laughs> Greek freak for nothing.
1: You don't get your own Nike signature shoe for nothing. So here's, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about LeBron in like 2007 where you and I can't name any of those co-stars that were on that team that went to the finals against the Spurs. I could do like a max.
0: I could do a max of like three if you give me enough
1: time. And we don't have that time. I'm thinking (laughs) about like even LeBron in 2015 where even if, even though there was like Kyrie Irving, like he was hurt and there wasn't much there. And the reason why those teams went to the finals was because it was LeBron dragging those guys. Like, you're coming with me. We're going to the finals. We're going to win. And it's because I say so. And I want that out of Giannis because I do believe that that is the only way that they can get to where they need to get. I think Giannis just needs a little bit of that edge and a little bit of that you're coming with me. We're going to make it here because I do see moments where he gets frustrated with what's around him and how and how they are not producing in the same way that he is and I think you can you can you can beg to your gms you can beg to your front office all you want in these offseason moments and you can try to get what you get you get drew holiday out of it that's pretty good I love I love the drew holiday deal that's that's going to be great for them at the end of the day Giannis has to be the guy that drives down the court, give me the ball, put a poster on somebody, and then immediately go on defense and block shots. That's just going to have to be what it is, I think, for the Milwaukee Bucks to have the success they have.
0: Yeah, well, I really think their success comes down to, I think I wasn't so high on them. I mentioned last week that Giannis didn't really have a future in Milwaukee because I didn't know if the right pieces were around him, but obviously they were in his mind. He signed the contract and – I think the stability now really helps because there were so many questions about, is Giannis going to sign? Is Giannis going to sign? Is he going to leave now? I think they have that stability, and I think that's what's going to really put them to the top. Now I definitely have the confidence that the Bucs will be once again at the top of the Eastern Conference. But diving into that contract a little bit, I know you wanted to talk about the contract. Do you think
1: Giannis is worth the Supermax? Oh, my God, absolutely he's worth the Supermax he is such an important part of what the future of the NBA is going to look like. And he's an important part of just the Milwaukee Bucks franchise. If you look at the history of the Milwaukee Bucks, what history? There's not much, I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, that's I, about yeah, it. Yeah, that's one. And like, and I, and I guess there was some teams in the, t- uh, some teams like here and there, this guy has the opportunity to, I mean, he's already done it. The Milwaukee Bucks are a household name if you're a, if you're a big NBA fan, and if you know Giannis, you know who the Milwaukee Bucks are. That's good for the NBA as a business because that's one more team that is more marketable than the Atlanta Hawks, who have Trey Young but they don't have a winning record. It's it's one of those things where the Supermax it solves a lot of problems. Giannis gets paid the, the money he's worth. Like you said, the meat there, now there's media silence and all we're going to be talking about is the production and not about, is Giannis going to sign? Is he going to go somewhere else? What super team is he going to build? And it sets us and it sets a precedent that you can stay with your team. You can stay with the team that drafted you. You can, you can set, you can settle in, And you can believe in your front office to put the right pieces in front of you. And even if they're not going to put the right pieces in front of you, just go, just put your head down and go to work. And, and you can be remembered as the person that willed your team to the NBA finals. You can be a Dirk type. You can be a Dame Lillard type and, and really just show that like, I put this on my shoulders and this is what I created.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. It's interesting you brought up the Hawks because the next part of this topic we're going to be talking about the dark horses. And I, this might sound crazy, but I think Atlanta is a dark horse. I think they could have a sneaky good year, but it all depends on if Trey Young continues to be that superstar because I do like the pieces that they have. I like the mix of youth and veterans. They have like Kevin Herter, John Collins. They can learn from Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Rondo. I think the Hawks could be a sneaky good team. And if you blink your eyes, they might get to, I would say the six seed, kind of what the Thunder were last year. What do you say about uh, the Hawks?
1: I say the Hawks made some of the better off season moves out of any of the teams on the East based off of every, uh, based off of everything that you just said, the Hawks are going to be good, uh, the th- The problem is just like how how good can they be? be- just because of the competitiveness of the league, uh, they're gonna be able to do what they can do, and it's gonna be and it's gonna produce enough to get wins. Is it gonna get them into the playoffs? I'm I'm not sure if I'm entirely sold. I think Trey Young just needs to develop just that much more in order to get to where he needs to go. Well, I think he can
0: at least get into the playing because remember, it's the 7 through 10 teams are now going to be in the play and I think he can definitely bring them there.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But the team that I'm more focused on in regards to uh, dark horses and maybe they're not a dark horse anymore based off their signings, but I think we need to give respect to the Washington Wizards Mm -hmm. and realize that wherever wherever they were previously, now they have Russell Westbrook. And I was talking earlier about guys that just put the team on, the, on his shoulders and go, that's Russell Westbrook. There's plenty, We all remember his seasons in Oklahoma City where he, where he just carried the team, you're coming with me, and, and eventually it breaks, the, the, everything breaks down and it, doesn't make, and it doesn't work out. Still, you're getting that energy in Washington, and there's role players in Washington that have been there a while that can at least keep up with that energy. And they have real leadership on that team now. And they have Bradley Beal. That is a, that is a contending team that I, that I personally, I have my eyes on more than I have the Hawks. No, I totally
0: agree with you. I think they, the Wizards have more weapons, I would say. Probably for what Russell Westbrook, personally, since probably the early 2010s when that Thunder team went to the finals with Durant. And Harden. Because, I mean, you have the newest big three, maybe a big four if you want to lump Thomas Bryant in there. But I mentioned it last week. Russell Westbrook is a guy. He, dry, he puts his head down. He drives to the basket. And all you, ha- you have Bradley Beal and Davis Bertons just waiting on the wings or the corners just shooting threes. And I totally agree with you about the Wizards. I think I could see them getting high as number four. I think they could get to the four seed. Obviously, we're going to see what happens with Miami – in Philly, and Boston, and all that, but I'm totally on, I'm on your train with the Wizards. I think the Wizards are going to be really good this year. Now, the, the last, the last set of teams, I was having a real hard time with this, because I was trying to find three dark horse teams, but there were so many that I, that I listed down. I have the Suns, I have the Trailblazers, I have the Pelicans, and I'll propose this to you, Ben. Out of those three teams, who would you say will have the better record in your eyes.
1: Between the – we're talking the Suns, we're talking the Trailblazers. and We're talking the Pelicans.
0: Yeah, I know. That's a tough one.
1: You know, I'm going to have to go Trailblazers on this one. I I do like all three of those teams. Um, Before I get into the Trailblazers, I will say I think the Phoenix Suns are going to ride the energy that came off of the bubble and their run, and I think Devin Booker is going to – become a player that we talk about more probably in the sense of Devin Booker is going to leave Phoenix and go somewhere else but re- or maybe he stays you know that'd be cool too but regard but regardless well, yes. like but, <laughs> but regardless like Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns are going to be someone we talk about and I think the new Orleans pelicans are in the same kind of situation where they have Zion and that's that's going to be enough we'll see, we'll see what it develops into but for now, the reason why I want to talk about the Portland Trailblazers is because that is a team that has consistency in its in its lineup for a while now. They have Damian Lillard, they have CJ McCollum, they have Ennis Cantor back. We borrowed him for a year. It was a great year. But he get but he gets to fulfill the role that he had in Portland anyway, and take the and take maybe whatever he learned under Brad Stevens and bring it with him. And that kind of production that he does with offensive rebounding is going to do great in Portland. And it's going to be a better uh, fit for him instead of being a six man. Essentially he can be on the starting lineup again.
0: Yeah. Not only and, that, but don't overlook the re-signing of Carmelo Anthony. Anthony played well when he signed with Portland.
1: Yeah. And Mel- and Melo brings just great energy and leadership to the team that can be matched with dames. So I'm just, I can't say enough nice things about Portland and I think, you know, Dame's Dame's going to do good, as always. And I think that that's the team to look out for the most because you I don't think a team like Portland has two seasons in a row of like a, you know, middle record. I think they bounce back and they have a winning record.
0: Well, not only that, but remember, they had a really tough start and it wasn't until Carmelo got signed that they really started to pick it up. So they basically have most of the same pieces as well. And that's why I'm going to counter with you and say that the Pelicans are going to have the better record out of all of those three, and I'll tell you why. A fully healthy Zion Williamson, okay? He's got no restrictions. He's healthy. They've got a ton of pieces around him. Do not overlook the Steven Adams trade. Adams is a great center. He's If you asked 99 guys, 98 of them would say, I want Steven Adams on my team. And not only that, but you have – Brandon Ingram who just made the All-Star team. You have a veteran shooter in JJ Redick. You brought in Eric Bledsoe from Milwaukee. I mean, New Orleans has set itself up. Do I do I see them like as championship contenders? No. But I think out of those 3 teams that I just mentioned, between Phoenix, Portland, and New Orleans, I like New Orleans out of those 3.
1: Stan Van Gundy's coaching them now, correct?
0: Yes, yeah, Stan, Stan
1: Van I think I think that's also something that we need to keep an eye on because when a Van Gundy is coaching, that's usually good for the league because they they bring they just bring an energy and they bring some uh, basketball knowledge to uh, to a team that is well needed. And he I didn't think, have
0: the greatest years in Detroit, though. We only took him to the playoffs like once or twice. And does anybody was with have, a, does anybody with have Good years read. in
1: Detroit post two thousand four.
0: Hey, hey, <laughs> they, were, they made the conference title game like seven or eight years in a row, all right? But that's it. <laughs> that's really it That in Detroit. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with those three teams. Now comes the fun part, I want to say, talking about the overrated teams. And there is mm. one that stands head and shoulders above everyone. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Houston Rockets.
1: Whoa, well, I... Honestly, the Houston Rockets aren't under my radar. Aren't, aren't on my radar at all, because that that team isn't th- that th- There is no team there.
0: But that's you know, the thing, though. It's so dysfunctional that it's like, why would this team have a good year? I mean, did you see the photo of Harden? Like the the way his body looked.
1: <laughs> he looked like he was sitting on the couch for the entire bubble during the off season. Listen, man, I sat on this. Ca- I, taco I I sat in my bed the entire pandemic. I'm not going to pretend like I'm in But you don't need to get up and play an <laughs> NBA game,
0: all right, buddy? You don't need to do that. Oh, and I oh was man. just – I was so shocked to find out, like, the entire culture around Houston. It's like a quote-unquote casual culture with Harden dictating everything. And it just doesn't seem like he's invested at all. And I know Houston has John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Wood, all those guys – but I'm just not sold on Houston.
1: Can I, I I will say um, you said you were surprised by all of the stuff that came out about James Harden. I am not surprised. And the reason why I'm not surprised is because I've watched, you can watch five minutes of James Harden playing on the court. Dribble, 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 (laughs) dribble, 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 drive for a two the most i
0: think i think so much so much
1: isolation so much isolation basketball is going on with james harden that of course he is self-centered of course he is selfish not only on the court but of course he's selfish outside of the court of course he's late to practice uh, to practices and film room meetings of course he doesn't really care and just goes wherever i meant to say like all the
0: partying and stuff like that i had no idea like he's such a party animal like what is this going to be like the newest version of animal house no it's not it's the nba But I I totally agree with you about isolation and, you know, Harden's that guy. And I've said it week after week after week. James Harden, his style of play, I don't care what team he's on. He's never going to win a championship with that
1: kind of style. I've been thinking about this. Um, James Harden is our generation's Carl Malone in the sense that when Carl Malone was in the league, he was great. He put up a lot of numbers. He has historic numbers. That are that are in that are going to be in like NBA all time ranks for a very long time at like two or three in certain categories. Never had a title, never had really like a defining playoff moment. But he has all these statistical numbers that are that look great on paper. And if you look at them, you would think, Oh my god, this is one of the best guys in the NBA. Does this sound familiar? Because to me, that sounds like James Harden. We there's James Harden puts up offensive numbers that makes Michael Jordan look like some sort of G league guy that only played defense. And we're supposed to be like, Oh, Michael.
0: Yeah. Michael never had the style of play that James Harden does. Remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Because Michael Jordan probably passed the ball every once in a while. So, so here's where I'm (laughs) at with, with, with Harden is, you know, he can, he can have all of the, you know, isolation that he wants and he can do whatever he wants. You know, if he's if he's going to bring that, you know, kind of energy, it's not going to get them anywhere. Maybe he single-handedly wills the team to a win every once in a while, but that it, it, it it's going to fall apart during the playoffs, and that's just what it's going to be because he's going to get grumpy whenever somebody else that's not him doesn't have the ball in his hands. And the big irony of this whole situation is that he wants to go to Brooklyn, supposedly, where he would be third fiddle to – yeah that's what i've been saying
0: week after week there's no way he makes any kind of sacrifice to his game
1: no way i i pray that james harden somehow makes it to the brooklyn nets so we can and if you want to talk about overrated let's talk about the brooklyn nets just yeah because i think you
0: yeah you were gonna i think you were gonna say because it's it sounds like you were gonna say the brooklyn nets because i have them on my list as overrated too is that the team you were
1: expecting me to say I was expecting you to talk about the Clippers, and I want to talk about the Clippers after we talk Ooh, about the Nets. Okay, yeah. We'll but let me just say something Nets about stars. the Nets. You know, we can't. You know, we just can't say anything about the Nets because they just haven't played yet. Kevin Durant's been hurt all all of last year. Kyrie Irving is still nursing injuries, and that's and that and that's this is a, supposedly the combination that's going to set the NBA ablaze. And Kyrie Irving is talking nonsense every once in a while. Now, me personally, I love his stance about the media and how he wants to do a media blackout. That's great. If he does if he wants to have everything on the court speak for himself and not, you know, play the media circus, mazel top to that. I wish him I wish him all the best. That's not what I'm here to talk about. What I'm here to talk about is his offensive production, his lack of defensive production, and the way that he thinks about himself in the sense that he thinks that he's unguardable and that he's going to be able to get shots on anybody. I re- I saw this clip on Instagram live of Kyrie and Kevin Durant talking and Kyrie's just going on almost in this Kanye West uh rant about how great he is and how he feels like he's going to be able to guard anyone and he's going to be able to get six or seven post-ups and it's to, and and like he's going to be untouchable. And Kevin Durant's just kind of like nodding his head and listening. He goes, "Yeah, well, we'll see." <laughs> and I just don't know if Kevin Durant has properly understood what he has set himself up for in working with Kyrie Irving, and I just it you know this is a team that sounds great on paper because it's two of the best offensive players in the NBA. In
0: their prime, two
1: top in, fives, I would say. Is Kyrie Irving in his prime? I don't know. He's been hurt uh, so many years in a row now with something that he and he's somehow never able to play in the Boston Garden who knows why
0: <laughs> and it's I think just, I
1: think he knows why I think, I think he, he, knows he knows why, why. <laughs> and then that's just and that's just one of those things where he's not gonna I don't think they're just gonna mesh I just don't see it happening yeah I, see I agree it, I, I agree I see the thing I see it happening where Kevin Durant's gonna want the ball but Kyrie's also gonna want the ball but then and there's and DeAndre then, Jordan who's like and then, give me the ball. I can dunk it. DeAndre Jordan's been like, I've been here too long. What is going on? Like, <laughs> and he's only been there for a year. You know, uh, I would no. love to be I would love to be proved wrong about the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, look, they're probably gonna win a lot of games because the way the NBA works is that when you have two like talented players on your team, you, you collect wins. James Harden's Rockets will collect wins. Russell, Russell Westbrook Wizards will collect wins just based off of the, their production alone. But then you get into the playoffs, and now you have to have chemistry. Now you have to have good coaching. Now you have to have mental toughness. And I just don't know if that's there for Brooklyn because there's nothing to base it off of except for like their previous track records in, on other teams. But Kyrie had LeBron and Kyrie was checked out in Boston, and Kevin Durant was on the Golden State Warriors.
0: (laughs) He didn't have to do as much as he had to. If he gets in the postseason this year, he's going to have to pick up the load like he did in OKC. But I'm totally on your bus in saying that we don't know about Brooklyn until we see them on the court. If we see them on the court, okay, we'll be proved wrong. But for right now, this is only a great team on paper. Only a great team on paper. And I agree. Two different styles. Kyrie's like, like a Harden. Isolation, dribble, dribble, except he's got a better outside shot. And Durant, you know, a torn Achilles is, is no slouch. You know, I would call it worse than a torn ACL because no guys ever come the same from that. But he did look pretty good in the preseason uh, a couple of nights ago. But there's only one way to find out, and that's when we get to next week. Um, but we'll wrap it up with your team talking about the Clippers. I know you really want to talk about the Clippers. Now, we'll get this out of the way. We have great, def- great defender in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, who just signed an extension. They add Serge Ibaka. Uh, they lose Jermichael Green, but they still have Patrick Beverly. Um, I'm just setting that up, and then I'll let you take the floor, because it looks like you got a lot of opinions about the L.A. Clippers.
1: You want to talk about the original team that sounds great on paper, but isn't, isn't able to produce in the long run. I, Kawhi, Kawhi Laren's great, an, an amazing player, amazing defender. Two-time champ. Do, does he care about where he is at any given moment and what's going on around him? Is he an actual leader that can get, that can get you to the place? Why did the Clippers fall apart? Why did they, why did they blow it 3-1? Lack of leadership. Yeah, I mean you not, can't you
0: can't pass that along to Paul George because he does not have that history too of being a leader
1: Paul George is like a discount Kyrie Irving in the amount of insanity that he has in his head about what he <laughs> thinks he is as a player my man dame lillard shot a good shot not a bad shot over you and ruined your life and and now he lives rent free in your head and you cannot get it together <laughs> I'm not I'm not I have never really been impressed with Paul, with Paul George. He's just always kind of been there. He was on a Pacers team that was just that was built well and he was along for the ride. He was on OKC where Russell Westbrook probably carried him as far as far as he could. And now he's on the Clippers and he's just doing his thing and he, and apparently his thing is hitting the backboard on corner threes. That that doesn't what, what are we what are we doing here? Like the Clippers are not Gonna be any anything so long as they don't have any real leadership on their team, and maybe it's Pat Bev doing his whole like I'm the best defender and and ryan sure. (laughs) But at the (laughs) but the end of the day, you have Kawhi Leonard who is so soft spoken and so quiet, and no knock on him if that's if that's who he is and that's who he is. But there's all of the there's all of the controversy when it comes to load management. And what games is Kawhi going to play and what games is Kawhi not going to play? Same with Paul, same with Paul George. And that's a culture that kind of gets instilled in the team. And now you're in a situation and this happened a lot last season. We never really saw all of the Clippers on the same court at the same time because of so much load management. And we're probably going to be in the same situation either due to load management or just straight up due to COVID restrictions well, they do have Ty
0: Lu as the new head coach. I don't know if that makes any difference because Ty Lue—he was a champion in Cleveland. He led a three-one comeback. I know a lot of people say LeBron, but remember he was the coach of that too.
1: I don't no, think Ty- the coach.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't really think the coaching does that much to help the Clippers at all. I still, I still think they're probably the third best team in the in the West. I just don't think they can, they can get it done in the postseason because remember. They, they had Doc Rivers. Doc has a history of having great teams and not really taking them very far aside from the 2008 Boston Celtics. Uh, yeah, we got to get that out of the way and set up the local segment that's just coming up. But, uh, you know, I, I'm with you that the Clippers, you know, this could be a year for Paul George. It could be the year where he says, you know what? What I've been doing isn't really working. I got to step it up, and maybe he becomes that leader. Uh, but there's only – one way to find out, like I said, watching some games for next week. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you about my town. I'm going to tell you a big, fat story, baby. Oh, about my town. Yeah, down so now it's a special Let's Get Local segment of the week because we are actually talking to a local, a good friend of <laughs> mine who is... From Massachusetts, just like me, so you have all the same love and interests and I do. Um, quick hit here on the Red Sox because they just made news with signing Hunter Renfro. Do you like the signing for
1: for a one year kind of a discount deal? I mean, why not? With the with the not good season uh, season that they had last year, there's no there's no moves that could be considered a bad move for them. They just have to try to get back on the right track and see what they're going to be able to accomplish in this post-Mookie Betts era, which may have just created a new Bambino curse. I'm not entirely sure. (laughs) It just doesn't feel right, and it doesn't feel good, and I'm still processing it. Yeah. So that's that's where that's really all I can I can say in regards yeah, we to we still
0: it. also need more signings in free agency, obviously. But yeah, those news will eventually come later. Let's talk about where the New England Patriots stand right now and <laughs> we'll get into uh, their preview in the game against Miami, where they're in Miami, where they haven't had a lot of success. I just want to get Ben your overall perspective on what you think, how the season's gone. They're standing at six and seven right now. They've they have a former MVP in Cam Newton. He doesn't look the same that he did a couple of years ago. What's been your takeaway from this entire season for the New England Patriots?
1: It's been really interesting to watch us be way better than we should, to say to <laughs> say the least. I I really do think that we have something good at at the core of what's going on here. I think. The run first offense that the Patriots run no pun intended is something that we've been doing since the last the later half of the 2018 season, where we, where we were just feeding the ball to Sony Michelle, we were using the schemes that the offensive line, and Dante Scarneca had set in stone, and that, it, and, that car- and that carried us into Super Bowl 53 that helped set a good tone for the 2019 season when Brady had nobody to throw to. And now we're in 2020 where Cam has no one to throw to and he doesn't really know the offensive system as well as he, as he can. And this is the part where like we talk about COVID and we talk about all the things that have messed up sports. And now every team has that, but this is the locals part of this. And this is the part where I talk about how the Patriots have been messed up by it more than anybody else. You know, Cam hat, Cam gets COVID. And that's, that's just not good. And he comes back and, and he's not the same player. And we have people that probably want to uh, share the same pr- profession that you and I are trying to do right now being like, well, what has happened to Cam Newton? And why is his offensive production? Not the same. Could it be possibly that he got a disease? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So, but here's my overall thing. I really like what the Patriots are at their core when they're run first. And when it's going well, and they're and they're able to just bleed the clock and get these games done in, in a short amount of time, things go pretty well. And then the defense is able to do what they what they can do in, an, in any given moment. The only problem is that if you are if the opposing team is able to just stop the run in any form, then you have stopped the Patriots. Because Cam d- will not ha- does not have anybody really to throw to besides maybe Demir Byrd and maybe Jacoby Myers and do not get me started on the keel harry because i will go an hour talking about how that was not a good idea the simple way of saying this really is that when we when the patriots play bad teams we do pretty well and when we play good teams we don't really play that well but for me it's all but because it's a local thing it's a little bit more nuanced right because it's like well you know we weren't we you know if they're able to stop the run then the patriots are more or less done now do i think they can still make the playoffs I kind of actually do. I Really? I, you know, they've, well, they've got to have like a million things do aside from winning their last three games. Lose, losing to the Rams was not a part of the plan, absolutely. But here's the deal. We got three. The Patriots have their final three divisional games left. Divisional games can go any way possible, except for the Jets winning. I really hope I didn't curse it right now, but I'm but I'm just but hey, I'm just they saying. might be
0: eliminated by the time we get to week seventeen. You have no idea.
1: So here, so here but here's my thing. We could we could totally win out. Here, let's let's remember that the Dolphins are starting Tua, and if Bill Belichick has a winning record of, of with anything, because he has a lot of different forms of winning records, he has winning records against rookie quarterbacks, and we saw what the Patriots defense did to Justin Herbert, who I love personally, and I think he's going to be a great quarterback for the Chargers. He, di- he didn't look like anything that he, u- that he usually does. Can, we, can that happen to Tua? It's going to take a, probably a little bit more because Tua is that much better. But I, do th- but I do think that Belichick is going to be able to throw defensive schemes at Tua that's going to, that's going to get him messed up. And maybe that can lead to some turnovers on defense that lead to some defensive scoring, maybe that can put us in a position to win that game. And then when it's New England versus Buffalo, listen, if Cam doesn't fumble that football on that, on that last drive in the, in the game that we had earlier, what, what's the outcome of that game? That's,
0: Do the Patriots
1: keep keep driving and get to the end zone to get a touchdown? That's the biggest what-if right now of the season. <laughs> that's, what, that, that's what I'm saying. I think the pieces are there for, their, for them to win out. That's, that, that's my thing. Do a lot of things, do a lot of things have to go right? Absolutely. The Ravens need to lose, which is possible. The Raiders have to lose, which is possible. You know, Uh, it would have really, it would have really helped if the Browns won on Monday night, but you can't, you can't win them all. I'm just, I'm just saying, don't, you know, you can't, you can't put the Patriots to bed until like it's, until the season is over because Bill Belichick is the coach. And so long as he's the coach and so long as he's creating the chessboard, who knows what's going to happen. Well, you are, way, we more of
0: to- a, you are <laughs> way more of an optimist than I am. I think – <laughs> I'll say it again. This season's over. There's no way they get it. They don't beat Miami. They don't beat Buffalo. They beat the Jets. I say they go 7-9. and nine. And you were talking about you are really on to Cam Noon and understanding that he has this virus. But in today's game, this isn't necessarily a knock on Newton. In today's game, you need a quarterback that can throw and run. Okay, when you see Newton putting up less than a hundred yards, less than a hundred thirty yards every single week, you can't—you just can't get away with that in in today's game. You could probably get away with that, like in the mid two thousands. I tell you what—if Cam was around in the mid two thousands NFL, oh, he would tear defenses apart. They would have no idea. He would have been. He's like a taller Michael Vick, basically, in that he has that speed. But this is just – Cam, he's in his 30s. He's had the virus. He's had shoulder surgery, leg surgery. He cannot throw the ball. And I think that's why he's not going to be the future quarterback of this team. I just don't think so because he's not performed well in throwing the ball. He can run the ball just fine, like you said, if we're a run-first team. If we're a run-first team – then you're fine. But in today's game, you gotta have that flexibility. Cam doesn't have that flexibility in throwing the ball, though. That's the thing. And when I get when I look into the future, like next season or two seasons from now, I'm wondering if Jared Stidham will finally get his shot. Because the last time he came in in that Chargers game, he looked good. But with so many quarterback options out there, I mean, we just saw. Carson Wentz maybe get thrown into the off-season picture. We've seen, you know, do you you bring in uh, other guys or do you stick with Cam Newton is the question. Are you actually going to give Jared Stidham a chance? And I say you do have to give him a chance, and that should happen next year. When you reload on wide receivers, you get your opt-outs like Hightower and all of them back, and you have a winnable culture again. And not only that, but you have the Jedi Master at the helm. You have Bill Belichick. Every Bill Belichick team is in it except for this year.
1: You talk about how Cam isn't throwing it well and I will agree that there's there's definitely moments where he throws the ball and I'm wondering where it's going to. But you know, let's let's put Cam Newton in Tampa Bay's offense then. Is Cam Newton doing it, doing the same production as Brady because I think that there's a possibility that that happens. Because why did Tom Brady leave? For a lot of the reasons, but we got to talk about how the Patriots don't have any receivers that are even worth thrown to. I'm gonna just put in quickly on the Keel Harry. The New England Patriots selected Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf.
0: Now that should that D- should tell the whole story right there.
1: That that should tell the whole story right there. Exactly. Thank you. So Cam is just not being put in a good position to succeed with the wide receivers that he has. And we talk about how the New England offensive scheme is very complex. And one of the reasons why I was able to run on rails for so long is that Brady just had it in his brain. So he could call the audibles at any moment and even call his own plays. If if he didn't like what Josh McDaniels was giving him, Cam doesn't have that luxury because there was no offseason season due, due to COVID. And I just really think, that he needs a proper offseason in order to get a chance to understand what this offense truly can be and get, and give him more opportunities. So you're Garrett saying, Stidham, you're
0: saying he's back. You're saying that you'd like to see him back as the Patriots quarterback next year.
1: If he's not the Patriots quarterback next year, I don't know where he is next year because I feel like more or less, I mean, we're going to have to look at it. Look at that way down the line when I make my second guest appearance. Thank you very much. But <laughs> there's, we'll no, a there's no later, there's I'm messing with you. There's, there's too many situations. There's too many teams that are in a pretty good situation with their quarterback and they don't need a 30 some year old cam Newton at the helm. It's just going to have to, we're going to have to see what happens. I think cam just needs a, a really solid opportunity at learning the offensive playbook, not during the middle of a season, but during an off season. And then, we'll, and then we'll see where it goes. The opt-outs do come back, and, that, and that's, and that's going to be great for them. And, you know, maybe we can get some wide receivers to come to New England. Why not? That'd be pretty cool, I think. They at least maybe need a some- number
0: one. They got to get a number one who's, like, head and shoulders above everyone. Because everyone – all the wide receivers here basically are the same. Like Bird, Myers, uh, Harry, all the tight ends, basically. They're all the same. Yeah. There's no game-changing wide receiver like a Julio Jones in Atlanta or a Tyree kill in Kansas City. I think that's the big thing for the Patriots. But the offseason talk is for later. The Miami game in Miami, Florida, is this week, and we'll see what happens. So now we have to move on to – we'll get back into the NBA, and you had touched upon it that we'll get into the Celtics, and let us do that. Let's get overall expectations for this year, because I've said in the past that this team – is still a little bit too young. The Tristan Thompson and the Jeff Teague signings are nice, but I feel like you need more because you have Grant Williams going into his second year. You have the rookies, Nesmith and Pritchard. You have Carson Edwards, uh, Shemi Ojalay I don't know if those are the weapons off the bench you want that can help out. Uh, what would you say about uh, the way this roster looks?
1: It's definitely young uh, as a nice as a nice way to put it. I would say, that there's just not much of a bench in general for the Celtics. There's not really much roster depth, and we definitely lost uh, some depth with Hayward. But in a way, that's also a good thing, because now that the Hayward spot is open, that's an opportunity for someone to step up and be a uh, an off- a production person in the starting five. the The ceiling of the Celtics is that they can make the finals, and we saw that because they have made the finals every year that Kyrie Irving is not involved in the Boston Celtics, uh, game <laughs> essentially. Pretty much. is In a way to put it, that also, uh, dunks on Kyrie just for a little bit. Again. So <laughs> yes, again. So here's, you know, I, I like Kyrie. He's, he's great. <laughs> if Flat you're listening, earth. Kyrie. <laughs> if you're listening, I own, I own the Kyrie sevens. They're very comfortable now. Um, but, you know, i I've said I've said this version of this like a couple times now. When you have Jason Tatum and you have Jalen Brown, you're in a position to succeed. And the one uh, role player that you didn't mention that I would love to give some shine to is Robert Williams, because that's a bad man. And if he can really like get his physical prow- prowess under control yeah. and really, he got hone it. his
0: skills. He's got to really his
1: skills. and and hone the skills in. Like that's a defensive juggernaut. That's a guy who blocks shots, that's a guy who gets offensive rebounds. That's a guy who gets defensive rebounds. That's a get out of my way type who 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 dunks it at any given moment. that's gonna that's gonna be an important role. So I think the Celtics can make the finals. They probably will if, if everything goes the way it does. Jalen Brown had an, is gonna have an exceptional season and Jason Tatum's gonna continue to rise in the in, in his abilities. And who knows, maybe his son will probably make the starting five roster at some point, given his uh, enthusiasm for the game.
0: Oh, no doubt about it. I expect to see Deuce Tatum wearing that number zero as well in the next couple of years. Um, But I definitely agree with you. I think they're the second best team in the East behind Milwaukee. I think Toronto, they got a little bit worse. I'm not as sold on Philly. Uh, I think Indiana takes a step back. So I think they are the second best team in the East. I think it's a showdown. On paper right now, it looks like a Milwaukee-Boston Eastern Conference Finals or a rematch possibly with Miami. You never know. But I, I'm on your side with that. They are a good team. And I think the, the good thing, though, is that Kemba Walker doesn't have to take the load anymore. Everyone on the expectations for last year were saying, Kemba's going to come in. He's going to take over this offense. No one knew Jason Tatum would have this historic rise. And then even better, no one knew Jalen Brown would have just a huge jump into superstar that he is. So I think the offense can be centered around Brown and Tatum now. Do defenses figure it out? Maybe. But that's when Kemba Walker, once he comes back healthy uh, from his knee injury, he'll start to make his shots because he just didn't look the same in the bubble. Kemba didn't look the same. And Danny Ainge was saying it was because he was hurt. But I. I'm totally on board with Celtics. I think it feels like a little bit of NBA Finals or bust because they've been there multiple times. They've had so many changeovers. Remember the two years with Isaiah Thomas, and then the Terry Rozier rise, and then a lot of people were saying last year they should have had it, but Miami just showed why they were such a good team that were that was overlooked. Um, but you threw out a complimentary player. I'll throw out another one who probably have a bigger impact and that's Daniel Tice because that's going to be a strong competition for center between him and Tristan Thompson. Now I ultimately think Thompson, he'll get that starting center job. But if you have a guy like Daniel Tice coming off your bench and eventually getting all those young guys acclimated with the system, I think that turns into a really good bench. But, just right now, on paper, they seem like they're too young because of all of the youth that they have. But I still think they're the second best team in the East.
1: There's no, I think the Tice point is really a great a great point because Tice did so much for that team that you would never see on the stats uh, stats board. But he really just proved himself to be an elite an elite defender and somebody who just needs to be in that position. If Tristan Thompson is in the starting five over him, so so be it. That's just going to be, uh, add more bench depth and make him the sixth man that we really didn't have last season. I mean, we had Ennis Cantor, but. And he Ennis was a situational
0: in, player. He was, he was more situational. situational.
1: It was just offensive rebounding for the, for the most part. Um, I watched a little bit of the preseason game between the Sixers and the Celtics, and there is, I mean, there's just a lot of untapped potential there's, I mean, I, of course the Sixers win because I don't know how you stop Joel Embiid, you know, (laughs) you just, you, you just pray that he starts chucking threes instead of going to the paint. And I just see a bunch of talent that can, if they get it together, they'll be able to do fine. And you talk about like a a winner bust. I mean, every team should be in that mentality, but I think, you know, Jason Tatum signed his extension. I think Jalen Brown will also sign his extension. This is a team that isn't really going anywhere and it doesn't, have the controversy around it of weird players that are, you know, making odd statements about themselves or James Harden types that are all focused on ISO and then going clubbing. This is a team that's focused. They're not really dr- drama based. They just, they, they play basketball. They do their work and they, and they, and they have production because of it that we'll see where it goes from there, but you got to admire the fact that they, just do it, and it's and when it gets done, it gets done well.
0: Yeah, don't forget they got the great leader in Brad Stevens as well. But it'll be a lot of fun to watch next week as the Celtics open up their regular season versus Milwaukee, and then Christmas against the Brooklyn Nets. So now we're going to wrap up our show as we normally do with our head scratcher, LOL moment of the week. Now this is the segment where we look at the sports story that has us just scratching our heads, wondering what the heck is going on. And so I will let this, I will set this up and I'll let Ben, I'll let you just rant on about it. So this week's head scratcher of the week is going to Manny Ramirez. So oh. let, me explain, let me explain to you what Manny Ramirez has got going on right now. First off, he's 48 years old, and everyone remembers his heydays with, with the Boston Red Sox, to keep it a little bit local. But news just came out that 48-year-old Manny Ramirez is back in baseball, but not the baseball you think. He is slated to play for the Sydney Blue Sox in the Australian Baseball League. That's right. Manny Ramirez is back playing baseball. Ben, just your initial <laughs> thoughts, man. I didn't even know they had
1: baseball in Australia. It's uh, not just an American sport. They got it in I mean, it's literally overseas. called America's it, – It's. I guess now we, we can finally call it the World Series since it made it to somewhere other than, like, Japan. Um, this <laughs> is – you know, more power to him. There's not many people who can do their – uh the, the thing that they did in their twenties and their forties. So if if that if that's what brings him joy and happiness, then by all means, I, I don't know what kind of Australian baseball money there is. Uh I hope they're just paying him well because he deserves it. You know you know I I'm I'm honestly surprised that um the head scratcher wasn't um did Lamar uh Jackson actually number two himself or not but maybe we maybe i can throw that one at you after after we finish this up uh manny ramirez bless him he's, he did so much for the red Sox. he can go to any color socks he wants to as far as i'm concerned maybe just not chicago white socks because that just seems wrong but if he wants to go play for some blue socks some green socks up in tokyo some purple socks in the netherlands <laughs> whatever 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 works best why not but yeah I but joe i got yeah go ahead but uh you know uh, you know you finish your thought finish well, your i was thought.
0: just gonna say i just don't think the dude knows when to stop playing i mean <laughs> you you talk you hear about all these guys saying like oh i've gone through so much of, of a withdrawal when i retire manny's just not gonna retire he's gonna be yeah he's manny being manny but What's funny is that it just feels like he has nothing left to prove. I mean, he's a two-time World Series champion. He was the MVP in the '04 4 World Series, and he's been to the All-Star Game 12 times. It's like I don't know what more left he has to prove.
1: I think baseball is just one of those sports where you can just play it as long as you kind of want to because while there are some physical demands to it, baseball is very forgiving in that you don't necessarily have to be the fastest or the most agile, the most athletic, if you want to play it into your 40s, you kind of can. And your team can work around that for, uh, for you. And you don't have to be the hero of it all. And, you know, I mean, heck, I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to still play baseball but can't because of limitations. So if he if he doesn't feel like he's limited, then why not? I mean, sometimes when you want to play sports, you just want to play it for the, because you love the game. You don't necessarily need to have anything to prove in the moment because if you don't have, if you, if you, like you said, if you have your MVPs and you have your titles, then you don't, then you're not playing to prove anything. You're just doing it for the love of the game. It's why we have pickup games in basketball. It's why people just like play the backyard football. It's why you go play in Australia for baseball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's just Manny being Manny now. Uh, you just briefly touched upon your head scratcher, LOL, in Lamar so, Jackson. Obviously, we all know the story about how he left <laughs> the game in Cleveland, and then he came back. And a lot of people are saying it was because he was going to the bathroom. Joe, Joe
1: Braverman, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. And yeah, I'm, you just go. You are, you are rambling. I just need to. I have one important question for you, and for that it. is: supposedly, Lamar Jackson left the game during the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football due to cramps. Joe Braverman. Did Lamar Jackson actually have cramps or was the fact that the towel placement right behind his butt, just uh, <laughs> hiding the fact that Lamar Jackson pooped his pants and had to leave in order to change and then come back. Did Lamar Jackson pull a Paul Pierce, Joe Braverman, please. Oh, well, it's, not as bad,
0: it's not as bad as Paul Pierce. I'll put it that way. It's not as bad. Now listen, the injury you have to have an injury designation when you leave the game all right and i i don't know the medical science about it if you have cramps when you have to go number 2 i don't know that but i will i was honestly honestly i was confused watching on monday night i was like where did he went and then i saw the photos i was like okay it has to be that it has to be that he went number 2 so i'm going to say yes he did he did mess up his uniform and had to go change. It. That's a, that is, that is my claim. I'm going to call it.
1: You heard it here first folks. I, I have seen, I saw him walk to the locker room and do his little like stride and his little like dance, like kind of like waddle <laughs> that, that was not, that's not cramps. You know, I just think maybe someone on the Baltimore Ravens, they just were trying to write something down quickly, you know, cramps you take out the uh the m in that word and what do you get (laughs) you get craps and maybe lamar jackson had craps and not cramps and it's okay like nature calls it's gonna happen and you know what we don't even need to talk about it because as soon as lamar jackson comes back he throws a 44 yard touchdown and we're not even thinking about it anymore we're just thinking about how awesome of a moment it is in football Uh that we get our little paul pierce moment
0: Oh, uh, I tell you what, if the Ravens don't make the playoffs, that's going to be the moment of the year for them. <laughs> so we will say a congratulations to Manny Ramirez and Lamar Jackson, as they are both our head scratcher moments of the week. So that will do it for this episode of let me speak thank you very much to my good friend ben may for joining me on the podcast
1: ben you have fun oh joe this was an honor i'm so i'm so glad to talk about sports with you and i'm so glad to help you out on on this you're doing great work
0: uh thank you and i'm sure we'll be talking yet again uh talking about sports um we didn't headbutt as much as as i thought we would there were only about one or two
1: times we headbutted but uh well you know we'll get some You know what? The NBA is going to start kicking in. We're going to get into some playoff talks. I'm sure sure we'll butt heads down the line.
0: Yes, we'll definitely do that. So once again, thank you to my good friend, Ben May, for joining me. Uh, We're going to be off for the next couple of weeks for the Christmas holiday and the New Year's holiday, but we will be back in 2021 with brand new episodes. And remember, as always, if you've got a point that you've got to get across, just let the whole world know, shut up and let me speak. Happy holidays, everybody.